Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Okay, well, there I am. All right, um, I'm married to uh, Lorene. We've been married seven years today, so really fantastic. We have two kids, um, Leah and Christopher. Leah's three and Christopher's a year and a half. Two years ago, God opened a door for us to go to the States to work with a church in um, Montana. And Montana's Northwest America. So if you look at the North America, you see Washington up at the top left, and then a sliver of Idaho, and then Montana. And it's a crazy place. Um, It's very different to here. If you go for a walk in the woods, you run the risk of getting eaten by a bear. So everyone carries, when you go... Um, camping or anything like that, you have to have bear spray, which is kind of like a very bad pepper spray, Um, or a gun um, to watch out for black bears or grizzlies. Um, And I, we live in a town called Missoula, Missoula, Montana. I don't know if any of you guys have seen the movie, A River Runs Through It. Anyone seen that movie with Brad Pitt? All right, that's the town. It's actually based in there and where he goes gambling and gets beat up. Lolo, I drive through there all the time for youth work. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's a good movie to watch. Um, All right, and that kind of gives you a setting of um, uh, Montana's kind of fly fishing uh, country, so I'm kind of trying to learn to do that, um, and it's wonderful. Um, So God called us there uh, two years ago from our home in South Africa. And we moved out, and it was actually, it was, a, it was a learning experience being in a new place, and at times difficult, but God really blessed us, and he was with us, and we felt um, just a fruitfulness in being there. And we felt knitted into the church, revived church, uh, led by a wonderful man called uh, Josh uh, Yakos. And um, December, this last December, we actually, we, we decided we need to come home, because we had had a son in America, so he's an American, which is like, just kind of blows my mind. So we have a South African daughter and an American son. Um, but we wanted to come home to South Africa to be with the family for Christmas holiday. And we came out and we had a wonderful time. And on the 12th of January, we were looking to return home, back to Missoula and carry on. And God had set some things in motion that I was going back to, that we were going back to, that was really going to change what we were doing there in a big way. Um, so we were excited, we were expectant. I think in my heart at times I had a bit of fear because it meant that responsibility increase for me and all of that goes along with that. Um, but anyway, we arrived at Johannesburg Airport. I gave the guy our passports and he says, he said to us, um, you're not flying tonight. Your visas aren't correct. They're not good. And um, turned out that our visas weren't good. And I stood there with this guy for about an hour talking through it because we had a three-year visa. If you want to know the details of how that works with the visa and how it worked out, I'll, I'll talk to you afterwards. Um, but basically what it meant is we couldn't fly, even though we had this three-year visa and we were only halfway through it. And in leaving the States, we had canceled our own visa. And um, we, as you can imagine, I went home that night. Fortunately, we have family in Johannesburg with my head spinning and just thinking, Lord, what has happened? And of course, you're kind of like, okay, no, this, it'll be fine. Like in two weeks, we'll fly. We're going to figure out something. We'll go to the embassy. Da, da, da. Turned out the next uh, appointment we could get was in February, so a month away. So we're like, okay, a month is fine. We can do that. So we waited a month, went to the embassy, and they were like, no, you no can do. You've got you to gotta start a whole new process with the, the visa people, basically, in America, um, which you can imagine was a real blow for us. And basically, it's led to the point where now I think we're away. We've been away for seven months. Um, 
from America. So for us, it's been a huge curveball. It's been crazy. We spent the first three or four months in South Africa at my home. Welcome. <laughs> and um, uh, so that was, it was wonderful that we had a place to stay. So we were there for three or four months. Um, and then our good friend Trevor Payne, who you guys probably know, he leads um, Hope Church in um, uh, Orpington area. Um, he invited us to come out. And they were very much involved with us uh, going to the States in the first place. In fact, we were here two years ago before we were sent to the States with Hope Church while we were waiting for our visa to come through the last couple of weeks before the end. So it feels like full circle in a big way. And I'm kind of like, Lord, was there a big lesson that we missed out on? What is going on here? But we're back and it's, um, it's been an amazing time just being involved with the churches. Um, but it's also been a difficult time. It's been a time of stretching. It's been a time where I've kind of had to almost face myself in a sense, my insecurities, the things I was building on my life or in my life um, that maybe weren't of God. Um, Lorene and I, for our marriage, it's been a stretching time, but this time where God's brought us closer together and he's done a work. Um, so I was just praying for you guys. That's a bit of a touch and go on where, um, where we are at the moment. But um, this morning I'm going to be speaking on uh, the Holy Spirit. And I opened the Regions Beyond Value book. I don't know if you guys have seen that before. It's like the 11, I think it's 11 values of Regions Beyond. Anyway, and the one is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And um, I really want to encourage you um, with that this morning. But just before I begin, I just wanted to pray. Um, and I just felt this uh, verse come to mind last night. Um, and it's one, a verse that's really impacted me. And it's Romans 5, 5. Um, and this isn't what I'm speaking on, but I, I just felt God prompt me to share it. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And it's this amazing truth that the Holy Spirit pours God's love into our heart. He fills us with his love. And I felt even this morning that there might be some people, maybe you're just not, you're not feeling the love of God or you're not feeling like a very loving person or things have been tough and you've been walking through um, things that have kind of challenged, wow, do I, have, do I have this love? Do I have the love of God? Do I understand it? Um, so I just want to pray for you now. So let's just all close our eyes, and if you want to just uh, lift your hands, you can. If you feel, wow, this is something, I just need a touch of God. I need to know his love. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I just want to thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, Lord. I want to thank you that you work into our lives, Lord. I want to thank you um, as the, uh, the young man uh, so encouraged us so well earlier, Lord, that you, you dwell in us, Lord. You live in us, Lord. And I pray this morning, Lord, would you, would you come and meet us, Lord? Would you change us, Lord? It is your love that changes everything. And Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who's just struggling to feel your love, that tangible love, or maybe it's just going through a bit of a tough time. Would you fill them with your love again by the power of the Spirit, Lord? Would you come now, Lord, and just reverse situations, Lord? Would you break chains, Father? Would you release them, Lord, into new vision, into new purpose, Lord? Lord, would they see their life for what it really is, that they are children of God and they have a purpose, Lord? So, Lord, I pray, come and do that now. We just want to receive your Holy Spirit, Lord. We, want to. we don't want to play games, Lord, this morning. We want to come to you, Lord, and we want to be changed, Lord. So change us this morning. In your wonderful name. Amen. All righty. Okay, so you guys can uh, turn to Joel 2. Um, 
Joel 2s in the Minor Prophets can be kind of difficult to find, but it's between Hosea and uh, Amos. That probably doesn't help you. So if you go Isaiah, um, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and it's a couple books past those. All right. Um, but this morning, what, what I want to do, and I'm going to try not... What time do we normally finish, um, Steve? Quarter past 12. Okay. All right. I want to just allow some time at the end where we can just encounter God's presence. Um, so I'm going to try not go too long this morning. Um, but really this morning, I just want to touch on two things. And the first one is exactly what... Um, sorry, what's your name who shared? Renny? Renity. Awesome. That's a cool name. Renity um, shared about God dwelling in us. And it's like amazing. That was very prophetic because that's what I'm speaking on this morning. So amazing. But God dwells in us. And as Renity shared, that, that's true. We, we have the power of God in our lives and he, he equips us and he is our strength. So I'm going to be looking at the fact that we are his dwelling place. We are the place where he's at. His church and as individuals. And then secondly, just a few points on how, knowing that truth, how do we respond to it? And um, it's going to be kind of rapid with a lot of stuff this morning, but I hope that my, my aim is for you to leave this morning encouraged in faith and with a fresh hunger for the things of God. Because I believe, especially in this era we live, as we have the temptation to try and model church in a way where we need to keep up with the world's pace, and we need to do that, and we need to keep up with culture in a way. We can lose the impact and the importance of what the Spirit does in the church and what, what, it's, what it's really all about. Because if we don't have his presence here, if we don't have him moving, if we don't have him igniting hearts and touching lives and working through us in the gifts, then we're just playing games. Um, but it's, sometimes it's, it seems to be a lot easier said than done. And I think it takes for all of us to almost step up a year and step up in faith and ask God, what do you have for us in this season? What do you have for us as a church? Um, so hopefully we will leave encouraged. But we see in Joel 2, uh, 28, um, this prophecy. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons... And your daughters shall prophesy. Anyone have sons and daughters here? Okay, kiddies. Okay, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And the last point he's making in 29, even on the male and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit is this. The point is, on everyone. No one is excluded. We are all, we all receive the Spirit. When we're, when we're saved, it guarantees our salvation. All right, it comes, we are, we are filled with Him. But there's more. There's more in the Spirit. And he, he outpours to work out gifts and power. And He gives us authority in this world to work. So we see that God is very intentional about sending His Spirit among us. It's His plan. It's what He's planned all along. All right, and what happened in the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, we see that fire of God coming down and touching those men. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what to expect. But their God came in power and anointed them. All right? And this morning, the same truth is true for us, that God is very intentional about sending us, equipping us with his presence. One of my favorite verses, which we'll flip over to quickly now, is Ephesians 2.22. I'll start at 18 just to give it a bit of context. But... Um, 
give you a moment just to get there. So this is Ephesians 2. I'll start at uh, 18, um, down to 22. Um, For through him, Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Hallelujah. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And then verse 22. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And we see here this vision of the church, this amazing vision of the church, that God is building us together, not just so that we can kind of just be together and carry on and do programs and do this, although all those things are good. I hear I've kind of just got caught glimpses of what you guys are up to, and um, I don't know if you guys got the prayer, the prayer for many booklet. Um, did you guys see that booklet where we had the month where we were praying through all the churches or something? Maybe, anyway, it was like it was one church every day. Now, you guys were fortunate. You were kind of at the start. You were like church number three. So I like prayed for you, but towards the middle, I kind of tailed a little. I was like, whoa, Lord, I cannot carry on. Like halfway through the month, I was like, where's my booklet? Oh, man. Anyway, but you guys are at the start, so you're blessed. Like I think you've probably got the most prayers. But I kind of got an idea, you know, of the things you're involved in. But there's, you know, all of those things are good. But it has to happen in this context and understanding that God is with us and is building us together in his presence. His spirit is here now. His spirit is here now. And he is here now and he is dwelling among us. His church is his dwelling place and we are his dwelling place. But we see it's God's intention for us to be distinguished by his spirit. You see that in the garden when he first created the world, creation. He was with Adam and Eve. That was the defining kind of characteristic of that whole thing. They were with God and he was with them, right? And then obviously the fall happened and that, that caused the break of that. But then we see as soon as he calls the Israelites out of um, Egypt, what does he ask them to do? Well, build me a dwelling place. Build me the tabernacle where my presence can dwell with you. All right, and Moses in uh, Exodus 33, he's, he, he understands this. He, say, he cries out to God, God, if you don't go with us, we're not going. We're just not going to leave this place if you don't go with us. And he says, because how are we then meant to be distinguished from any other people in the world? In Missoula, where, I, um, where we live, it's got the highest amount of NGOs per capita. Like, so basically, it's got the most um, NGOs, like these kind of organizations that serve the community, per person in the city. So there's just tons. There's lots of good work and people, all right, those are all good things. Some of them have bad causes, which we wouldn't agree with, obviously, but there's some really good things that help towards poverty and animals and climate change and this and that and da 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 da, da. But like, and we're, we're in that. We're doing things. We've also got a food bank like you guys. We've got all these things, but we get to a point where we're like, what, does this, what distinguishes us from that? Because otherwise then we're just kind of we're just helping here and we're just doing and sometimes it, it gets to me and I feel a bit like, Lord, how, where, where's our difference? Where's our fire? And it's here that God is with us by his presence. 
And Moses understood that. And he cried out, God, go with us, otherwise we're not going. And we see in Jesus also that he was the dwelling place of God. He was God, God among us. Jesus came in the fullness of the Father. All right? From um, John 1, which you read, 1 verse 14, the word became flesh and lived among us. We gazed upon his glory, glory like that of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. He was with us. God is intentional about being with us. He wants to be with us. He tabernacled with us in Jesus. Right? He pitched his tent. He was with us. He was walking. He was touching lives. He was changing lives. He was showing a new era, a new, a new era of what Christianity about what following God was going to be. It wasn't around a tent. It wasn't about a temple. It was this person, Jesus. And we see at the beginning of Matthew, he tells Joseph, call him Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. God with us. And then at the end of Matthew, Jesus says, I will always be with you. The amazing thing with Jesus, though, is that he didn't come as we would have expected, as the Israelites expected. They thought when the Messiah comes, it's going to be this big trumpet sound and it's going to be uh, this warrior who's going to knock down the Romans and set up a new empire, a new kingdom. But Jesus didn't come like that. We see in Philippians 2, he emptied himself. He laid down his rights. I love this quote by N.T. Wright. In Philippians 2, we discover that the life of self-abandonment and humility to which the Son devoted himself was not undertaken despite the fact that he was in the form of God, but precisely because he was in the form of God. Jesus is the picture of the Father. He is what God is like. You think of him ministering in the streets. You think of the compassion he had. You think of all the lives he changed. That is what our God is like. That is who our God is. And this morning he calls to you, and he has the same compassion over your life, and he wishes to touch your life, and he wishes to change your life. And maybe this morning you do not know Jesus. Maybe you don't have a, a conception of what God is like. I spoke to this lady in a, in a, um, a shopping center in Missoula, and I had this T-shirt with a cross on it. She was like, oh, you go to church? And uh, I said, yeah, are you, you know, are you a believer? Are you a Christian? She said, well, yeah, you know, I like, I like Jesus, although I don't really follow him, but um, I, stay, I stay far away from the Father. Because right, he's angry and, you know, I just turned out her grandfather was this professor in theology. That's what, after the conversation I had. But she had a misunderstanding of who the father is. The father sent the word. He sent the son. He sent of, him very, of his very self. And we see that our God is a God who's intentional about building this dwelling place. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And this is how we're going to reach the world, with this distinguished factor that God is with us this morning. And how does that kind of practically look right now? Well, 
what, what you did this morning was a bit of that practical, how does it look? Bringing a word that you felt God put in your heart, and it actually turned out to be pretty prophetic. But it's the Spirit comes and He uses us and He works through us. We see in 1 Corinthians 12.1 that Paul encourages us not to be uninformed about the spiritual gifts, about how the Spirit empowers us. We can turn there quickly to um, 1 Corinthians 12. I'm just going to read from verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Who needs faith this morning? Faith is something that's been in my prayer journal for a while now. Just, Lord, I need more faith. Give me more faith. Give me more faith. Where was I? To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Um, I grew up in South Africa, and if any of you know the history of South Africa, we had the apartheid, which was um, a political system which basically divided people based off of racial color. And we, my family, we planted a church basically in one of the poorest areas of South Africa among a people group known as the Basutu people. And God really moved powerfully because he loves the poor and he, he um, used that work to go to the nations because that's the prophetic word he gave. He, he rose up those people and used that church in such a powerful way. And people would walk into that church and they'd say, wow, like, it feels like there, there's an open heaven above this church. There's like just a grace in the air. There's a, I can just feel the tangible love of God in this place. And that was a defining factor of Ditlebeng, the church that I grew up in. But I, I, I heard a story recently, actually a friend of mine, but he's, he's a lot younger. He was like in, in the youth group um, when I was there. His name's Tutu. And um, when he was about 16, these two guys um, came from another church. And for them because of the history, they would have been almost seen as the oppressors, um, those on that side of the apartheid. And Tutu would have seen, been seen as the oppressed before 94. So there's really kind of, we're still breaking barriers of all of that, and God's working. And just as we read in Ephesians, he's bringing us together, and he's ceasing hostilities. But these, so these two guys came to just visit the church and see what is happening. And they're standing there, and they're leaders in this church. And Tutu walks up to them and says, hey, I, I've got a prophetic word for you. And he shares this prophetic word over this guy's life. And this guy just bursts into tears because it's spot on. God has spoken to him through this young guy, Tutu. And this guy is in leadership of this church and he, he cries and he speaks to Gareth who leads the church afterwards. He says, you know, I, I don't have a relationship with God like that. I've never seen God work in that way. He told me exactly what's going to happen. But God used this young man because he was willing, because of the fact that he was willing to be used. And that's, that's the, the heart we need to approach this with. God, will you use me? Will you use me? 
We see um, the Spirit helps us in many other ways as well. It, um, Galatians 5.16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. All right? We see the Spirit produces fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And Timothy encourages us to fan these gifts into flame. Right? This isn't something that we can just sit back and like, okay, God, you need to do this. All right? There's a huge element of that where only he can do it. But we need to be on the front foot. As a church, we need to be on the front foot. We need to be expecting that God is going to meet with us. Do you come to church expectant that you're going to meet with God? That you're going to be in his presence? Now, maybe some of you are like, uh, no, that is not what I come. Normally when I come to church, it's like at the end of a busy week and I am tired and it's just good to be around friendly people and be here. But I want to encourage you to change your perspective of what, what are we doing here? And obviously, I haven't, I've not been here. I don't know much about Beacon. But I think whether you do this or not, depending on whatever degree, even if you were like way up there, like you're really seeking of God's spirit, we can still be encouraged in this. There's always more. There's always more in God. So I want this to come just as an encouragement this morning, that there's always more. So maybe some of you just need a bit of an attitude shift this morning, that when you come to church, you're not just coming and just kind of the daily, this is your weekly routine, what are we going to do afterwards, although it's nice, I think we're going to go to um, Covent Gardens, which will be nice for our anniversary. Okay, we've got to live life. But the Spirit dwells in us. And we come to church with an expectancy that we're going to meet with God. And when we bring friends here, we come with the expectancy that someone's going to bring a word of knowledge into their life. Or someone who's, who's struggling with an illness, that they're going to come and God's going to heal them. We don't see them come and go, oh my goodness, like, no, we... God, here's an opportunity for God to work. All right, we, we have to have that, that expectancy. And um, in uh, America, I was primarily called to youth work. That's what I did. I worked with the youth. And it turned out that that was a lot harder than what I first imagined. Um, the youth we were dealing with there, about... 80, the youth wasn't, when I arrived at the church, I thought we would have like a group, you know, of maybe like five to 12 youth. We had like five, um, and not all of them were involved in youth, and not all of them cared to be involved in youth. Um, but we had this relationship with the school, so we would bus in 18 to 22 young people um, from a poorer area in Missoula. And um, as a result, we got these kids from just these terrible backgrounds. All right. Um, I had one kid who he'd come up to me like often, almost every youth thing, and just say, Cameron, you just hate me, don't you? I'm like, no, I don't hate you. I love you. Right? He's like, no, you just hate me. He would try and get me to confess that I hate it. But that was his understanding of life coming from the background that he was coming from, a broken family, no dad in the home. Right? I'm going to touch on kind of at the end, my last point is just parents, our responsibility, and in all of this. But he was just from this broken background. I'd say, no, I love you. I'm here for you, all right? I'm here for you. And he would be gone for a couple weeks, and then he would come back, and he'd be, wow, you guys still love me. I thought you'd be, like, disappointed or something. We're like, no, we're here for you. 
But off an hour drive, you can ask Serene. In America, we have these things called, these wonderful things called lazy boys. Those big chairs where you like, land, like, just like fall in it and then you pull the handle and it like pops up your legs and you can just like, oh, relax. I often get home after youth and sit in that and like, like lie back and just feel so beat up because the kids were out of control and it felt like we weren't getting through. We couldn't have worship because you kind of be playing and they're like, what is going on here? Like they had no context for worship. So the best we could do is a lot of games, try and tire them out, food so we could spend time with them, and then try and do a short nugget word where we just speak about the love of God. But God challenged me. I suddenly realized I don't have as much love in me as I thought I did. Right? And I had to ask God, Lord, help me to love these young people. Help me to pull myself in. The thing, the thing that just amazed me was how far down God goes to lift us up. Because the truth be told, we're all much lower and much further away from God than we could have imagined. But he reaches down for these young people in these desperate situations, and he lifts them up, and he lifts them up. And I think we've been there 18 months now. We've seen two baptis- three baptisms, and three of the young people come from that situation to, to youth, to being involved in church. So God is doing work. It's slow, and you're like, oh, Lord. Uh, you know, when you go into a situation, you have these like, okay, we're going to like see like five people saved every week, and it's going to, you know, this amazing thing. But what ended up happening was I realized God is working on me here. More than he's working on the kids. He's, he's knocking me down, and he's filling me with his love, and he's showing me that I cannot do it. The Spirit works through us, and he empowers us, and he does it. So I just want to encourage you guys in that. So how do we um, approach this wonderful truth that we have the Holy Spirit? Well, hopefully with uh, smiling faces, ready for action. Okay, I'm coming to church next week, full expectancy. Worship's going to be awesome. Okay? Amen. <laughs> I've got a couple points here, and hopefully they're just helpful. But I think the first one is God does it in his own way. Okay, there's no formula. Maybe you had an empower powerful counter with God, and that's kind of set a benchmark in your life. Or maybe you haven't, and that's set a benchmark in your life. Um, but you can't, you, there's no formula to the Spirit of God, and we've got to allow him, I think Jesus says that in John 3, like, the Spirit is like the wind, and it goes where. So that's actually encouraging in some ways, because you kind of feel like we need to almost make it happen ourselves. But we need to understand that God does it in his own way. Um, Proverbs 28, 26 says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. And we look at all these characters in the Bible. Paul of Damascus, he was going to arrest Christians and beat up the church. And God meets him on the road. Right? I think the thing about Paul, though, even in that wrong direction that he was going against the church, he still had this hunger for God. He wanted, he wanted the truth of God. He was fighting for that with all his might as much as he understood it. There was a real hunger in his heart, which I'll get onto now. But God met him, all right? You wouldn't expect it. Everyone was like, whoa, is he safe to be around? But God encountered his life. Jeremiah, one of my favorite books in the Bible, because it's this young guy. God says, okay, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. He says, ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Right? Just amazing who God encounters and who he uses. It says in uh, Numbers 12, 
Moses was meeker than anyone on the face of the earth. And you start to get this little picture of who God uses. He uses those who we wouldn't expect. Because you see, this is the thing. We, as people, we see what's on the outside, and we judge of what's on the outside. But God judges on what's on the heart. Right? So, he wants to work through through us. And I, I think this should be an encouragement to all of us. Um, we are all called to be gifted by the Spirit and filled with the Spirit and to walk by the Spirit. It's part and parcel of this. A.W. Tozer said, the Spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. Do you believe that this morning? All right. Maybe some of us need to shake off some lies we've been holding, all right, that God's been lying. Or maybe some of us just need to shake off some disappointments. I know I've been disappointed in this realm before because I want to see God move. I want to see him do things. And you pray and you you expect someone to get healed and they don't. Or you you bring a word and it kind of like doesn't fit. And Or you, you want to just receive the spirit and you don't feel anything naturally anyway happen. You can be disappointed. But I want to encourage us to maybe lay that off this morning and realize that God does things in his own way, all right? And we can trust in that, and we can come to him almost as children. Like, we don't understand the background just as much as Leah doesn't understand all it took for us to get out of the house this morning to get to church to, okay, I had to concentrate while driving, I had to have morning coffee, I had to wake up, I had to get them ready, and Lorene and I, we all work together. But Lorene, at, Leah, at her age, is unaware of all that's going on to make that work. Okay, and like a child, we have to be, like Leo, we just have to trust that Daddy is going to take care of it. Right? He's going to sort it out. That our Father in Heaven is going to sort it out for us. Um, secondly, uh, so how do we approach this truth? I think uh, a key, and I alluded to it with Paul on the Damascus Road, it's desire. All right? It's a hunger. Okay, we have to begin to grow this hunger in our lives. Ask God to cause this hunger to really grow in our lives. And it's not after an experience or a, what we've seen and we, we need to make kind of happen, past experience. But it's just a hunger after God and His glory and to see His glory go to the earth because that's what happens with the Spirit. The Spirit isn't just a and soaking, kind of soaking in His presence isn't bad, but it's not just a soaking session. It's a, when you get filled with the Spirit, you're empowered to go, all right? And that is just an ordinary life. You're empowered to go. Matthew 5.3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. We need to realize that without God's spirit, we are poor. We are spiritually bankrupt. We need him. We need him. This, uh, this verse will wake you up. But uh, uh, Revelation... 3.17, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Okay, I'm sure none of us really say that, but we'll just carry on. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. What is that saying there? Well, it's not an insult, right? It's just an understanding of where we're at. We need God. He is our life. And this hunger should drive us, right? It's, um, 
It's like Moses on the mountain. Lord, if you do not go with us, we will not go. Your presence distinguishes us from everyone. And God knows this. That's why he prophesied in Joel 2. I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. This is his plan. This isn't an add-on. It's not, okay, these solid teachings in the Bible and then the Holy Spirit over here that we add on. No, the life in the Spirit empowers every aspect of our lives, our prayer, how we read our Bibles, how we operate in our homes, everything. Now, you may look at me and I'm speaking about this and think that I'm an expert. I'm not. I'm really not. This has been something that I'm growing in, something that God's been speaking to me and speaking to us. This period of our life, I think, has been one of the most difficult. And honestly, I think I've had to deal with immaturity in my life in a big way and things where I realize, wow, I missed the point. But God brings challenges into our lives. And maybe I know some of you are facing challenges. Okay, We're probably all facing a challenge of some type. But God brings them into our life to cause steadfastness in our life. And you can either look at it, and this is where I've been challenged, you can either look at it through your natural eyes and make assumptions of what's going on, or you can look at it through, what is God doing here? What is he trying to produce in my life? What is the Spirit trying to produce in my life? And surrendering to that. I think one of our greatest enemies in this whole realm of working in the Spirit is just a lack of desire. All right? I think we're filled with substitutes. It's kind of like having a, a takeaway just before a gourmet feast, like you're going to your friend, and they're like, we've planned a seven-course meal. Okay? It's going to be great. Okay? And you stop by McDonald's on the way and then head and you're not hungry. I think that in our lives, we, we're filled with substitutes. I mean, just think about it. Entertainment. I think it's the new God of our society, entertainment. What, what's going to entertain me tonight? Right? I'm not saying it's bad to watch a show. And I've been watching the cricket, and it's been amazing. We won yesterday, South Africa. It's like, thank you. We can win something. <sighs> it was great. I was jumping. I almost jumped into the chandelier. My parents, I jumped up so high. And the chandelier was like, whew. Whew. Fortunately, I wasn't below the chandelier. Otherwise, I don't think I would have been here this morning. <laughs> Cameron's uh, not here. He's got a chandelier in his head. <laughs> but we need to satisfy ourselves with the real deal. We need to be hungry for the Spirit. We can't let these substitutes and things fill us. We've got to see them for what they are. Yes, some of them, they're good gifts from God, but we need to use them in the right priority. And as we're, we're just filled with substitutes, we come with a lack of expectancy because we, we feel good. I'm good. Okay, I'm good here. But God wants us to not be good. He wants us to be filled. He wants us to be filled more. He wants us to come to church with expectancy that we'll meet, meet with him. Okay, I've just got two more points, but I'm going to just shoot through them so quick. Um, second last point. Begin to operate more in the Spirit. Right? I want to encourage you, gifts of the Spirit, sorry. Begin to operate more in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, I think it should be in your prayer journal every week. Right? Write it in there. Lord, help me to work in the gifts of the Spirit. All right? Paul says, eagerly desire all right, the gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly desire the higher gifts. Do you eagerly desire them? Do you want, to work? Do you want them to work out in your life? All right? Therefore, the building up of the church. 
Right? Maybe some of you aren't even there right now. I just want to encourage you that God has that for you. And it's not just up to you now working hard. Just present your life to God. Maybe you need to pray, Lord, give me more faith for these things. Step out. Begin to step out. All right? I, think it's, I think a person who's kind of wanting to operate in the gifts of the Spirit more, it's on your tongue a lot more. You're talking about it. All right? You talk about things that you're excited. So start talking to people about it. Right? Get it at the forefront of your mind. Search the scriptures. And um, just make it a high priority in your life in general. All right? Gifts of the Spirit. I think um, we, we had a prophet actually come. I don't know if you guys know Jan, uh, Janet Brand Hollis. She came to Hope. She did a week there. And it was amazing. She really worked powerfully um, in the prophetic. But she made this point that a lot of us, we want the promises of God, but our hands are so full of other things that we can't actually grab onto it even if we want it to. Some of us might, you just need to let some stuff go. All right? We're going to have a time of prayer in a moment. Um, yeah, and then just lastly, um, I think we need to do this for the next generation. All right? We need to do this for the next generation. We can't let this slip. We have to build. How do you, how do you model the spirit? How do, you, how, do you, how do we do this? Well, I think you can teach on it, and that's good. But I think really we have to walk in the spirit. We have to allow it to be the rhythm of life in this place. And we'll see the generation um, raised up. It's, I just saw, I'm not going to read it, but in 1 Chronicles 22, if you want to go, David, he realizes he's not going to be the one to build the temple. So what does he do? He gathers all the stuff, as much as he can, and he, he makes preparations for his son, Solomon, to set him up for success. All right, and I feel we're called here to set up success for those to follow. And parents, um, there are parents here, I can kind of see parents all around, we're called to this in our homes. Right. We, we're called to that, this in our homes. I think that's one of the main things God's been speaking to us in this time. That what, what I was doing very much so, unintentionally, intentionally, all, all over the show, was that ministry was very much... I never, I've never seen it as a job. It's, it's a calling. But... I would do it almost ahead of my family. I'd run, I'd run ahead, and then Lorene would catch up. And then, but God's really convicted me in this time that as families, as households, we're called to be households of blessing. If you look at Proverbs um, 3.33, that's a verse that I found in this time, and I thought God speak to me. We're called to be houses of blessing. All right? So parent, you need to bring your children up in the ways of the Spirit. In the ways of God, it's your responsibility. Okay? If you don't do it, someone else is going to do it. The internet will do it. The teachers will do it. The friends. There's tons of people willing to do it. All right? And you can't like, hide them from the world. But what you can do in the home is make it a place of his presence. And allow him to work. So I just want to encourage you this morning um, in that. God's always been very intentional about being with us in his spirit. And... Um, he wants to move among us. So I don't know if the band, Matt, you want, Steve, you wanted to come up. Um, if the band could come up and just play, pray. Um, I'd love just to pray for you, um, but we're also going to have a time. Actually, Steve, you come up and, and do that, and then we'll... I just wonder, church, if we just stand as we come to this time of worship. Thank you so much, Cameron.
Um, whenever you hear a message about the Spirit, it's good to respond. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.